Welcome to Manowaker Studios Flash Fiction Podcast. I'm CB Drogi. This week, Durable Goods by Rob Tyler. The old man in greasy coveralls stood on the back porch of his cinder block ranch and surveyed the sprawling junkyard. Vehicle carcasses, trashed appliances, heaps of metal, and leaking 55-gallon drums of God-knows-what covered his 30-acre parcel of rolling scrubland in a blank spot on the map near Honeo, New York. "'Junk ain't what it used to be,' he said with a heavy sigh. "'How's that, Gomp?' The old man's grandson tightened a nut on a 1965 GM carburetor, which was mounted on a stand under the extended porch roof. Summer was almost over and he was dreading the long bus ride back to his mother's house in Cincinnati and the return to high school, books, and exams. It's a throwaway world, boy. Cars, for example, nobody fixes them anymore. They just replace them. When I was young, every car rusted through. You just slap on Bondo, buff it down, paint it up, make it go a few more years. The boy gave the butterfly valve a squirt of WD-40, then wiped his finger across his sparse mustache. The smell reminded him of his father, who'd also been a tinkerer. Guess people nowadays just prefer new. When my daddy went car shopping, you know how he compared one to another? Pounds for the dollar. He'd say, that car gives me more pounds of iron for my hard-earned dollar, so that's the one I'll buy. And he drove the hell out of that car till there was hardly nothing left but four wheels and a seat to sit on. Times have changed, huh? The boy liked to humor the old man. People appreciated durable goods. Durable goods? He tested the valve. It felt weightless and pivoted under his breath. Durable because they were made to last. You don't hear much about durable goods these days. Not much. But he had read something about it in economics class. An elective course he'd taken the year before. His mother's idea. It had also been her idea that he spend part of each summer with Gomp during high school since his father died. Keep you out of trouble, she said, and you'll learn how to fix things. Damn right, because they ain't durable no more and no one gives a shit. Where do you get these ideas, Gomp? The old pewter we found in that heap of fire salvage? I got it working. Use my phone as a hot spot. Get internet fine as any fancy new machine, thank you very much. The boy was impressed. Gomp, a computer geek. I've been reading a lot online about all sorts of shit lately. We're in a huge war, all humanity, but everyone's given up. Huh? The boy set down the WD-40. It's like a grandfather clock winding down. Like like a car burning gas. Like, Like the Grand Canyon. You lost me, Gomp. Entropy, boy. Remember that word. When the clock finally runs down, and all the gas runs out, and the river cuts the world in half and the sun winks out, the answer is entropy. The boy pondered this. But what's the question, Gomp? The question is how come? Entropy says everything runs down, runs out. The water cuts down through the rock, not the other way. There's no stopping it. Well then, the boy said, I guess that's that. 
and he turned his attention back to the carburetor. But it ain't. You can slow it down. That's what we used to do. We patched up that rusty car. Remember Grandma's kitchen stove? It's out there now, he said, waving toward the junkyard, because you can't get parts for it no more. You get old, people don't care. You get thrown away. And then it clicked. The boy understood. Ever since his stroke, Gomp had been obsessed with life and death, breaking the cycle. He'd raged for days when Gommy died, and then the boy's father, and his anger had smoldered ever since, like an underground fire, following seams that fueled it. We're stuck with it, like it or not. You can let it have its way with you, he said, raising his bald fists to his chest, or you can fight it. What should I do with this carburetor, Gomp? Good as new now. Put it in the shed with the other refurbs. Somebody might want it someday. Then I got another project for you. The shed was a windowless pole barn clad in dented sheet aluminum a hundred yards or so behind the house. Two mercury vapor lamps hung from the ceiling and illuminated the space with a cold blue light. The air smelled of wood and oil. Racks of salvaged parts and refurbs lined the walls. The old man led the boy to a pallet of equipment at the far end. This the project, the boy said, looking over the parts. Is that an old Kelvinator? 1957, the old man said. Why is it sideways? Took out the compressor to make room for other pots. And this other stuff? That there's a Geiger counter. Behind that is a 76 Polaris snowmobile engine two-cycle. In that little box there? Wristwatch, Radium Dial Company, 1928. Damn thing's radioactive. What are you making, Gomp? Called a Schrodinger's box. Guy named Schrodinger dreamed it up in 1935 to show how a cat could be dead and alive at the same time. The boy was so full of questions he didn't know where to begin. But they never built the damn thing. Guess they figured they were so smart they didn't need to. They called it a thought experiment. I like that, he chuckled. I can do one of them any time. He put a finger to his temple. I wonder what would happen if I drank a 12-pack. Maybe I'd get drunk. That's bull. I'd rather just have the beer and find out for sure. Does this have something to do with entropy? Damn straight. The cat's dead one place and alive somewhere else. They call it many worlds. You can just keep skipping from one to another forever. Known as quantum immortality. Maybe the only kind there is. The boy choked down a laugh. You sure about this? There's a lot of bogus info online. His grandfather frowned. Look, boy, I don't have time to explain it. It's complicated. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. I just need your help to hook it all together. But what the heck is it supposed to do? Near as I can tell, it works something like this. I climb in the Kelvinator and shut the door. Radiation from the watch kicks off the Geiger, which starts the engine which pumps exhaust into the fridge. The boy took a deep breath. It sounds dangerous, meaning suicidal. But he didn't want to talk about death or think about Gomp dying. He didn't want Gomp thinking about it, but he clearly was. Not if there's one of me still kicking someplace else. But I'm not dead or alive till you peek inside. Don't ask me why, just is. That's the secret, like with the cat. The boy stepped back. He felt something shift inside like he was suddenly older than his grandfather. I can't help you with this, Gomp. I, I just can't. I don't believe it. 
Besides, no one should get in a fridge, especially not that old kind that latch. How about I take off that door? Safer that way. The old man threw a tarp over the pallet. I'm not crazy, boy. Just trying to make something new out of all this. The boy loved Gomp and wasn't going to help him commit suicide. They did not discuss it again before the boy left for Cincinnati a week later. In late October, he got an email from Gomp and copied to his mother, saying he was staying with an army buddy in Florida for the winter. You know how it is, he said. It's hard to deal with the cold when you're run down. It ended with, looking forward to seeing you in June as usual. They didn't hear from him again all winter, and when June rolled around and they still hadn't heard, his mother wondered if they should try to contact Gomp's friend in Florida. The boy suspected the worst, but didn't tell his mother, in case Gomp was fine and back home but just not responding, which was not entirely out of character. After much discussion, she allowed him to go. On the tedious bus ride, he was plagued by waking nightmares and barely slept an hour or two during the entire twelve-hour trip. The gate at the base of Gomp's long gravel driveway was locked when he arrived. He found the key in the usual hiding place and opened the padlock and let himself in. The house was locked as well. He rang the bell and waited. Yo! he shouted. Anyone home? Perhaps, he thought, Gomp was working in the shed. Or perhaps he was in the shed and not working. It wasn't locked. He opened the sliding doors and switched on the lights. The Schrodinger's box gleamed dully at the far end of the space. When he got closer, he could see that the parts had been assembled as Gomp had described. It was silent. The Geiger counter batteries were long dead and the snowmobile's engine gas tank was empty. There was only one thing to do. He opened the door of the Kelvinator. His vision flickered and hearing registered a piercing sound, like that of rending fabric. In another universe, Gomp looked up, coughed, blinked, and grinned. Good to see you, he said to the boy, who was as wide-eyed and astonished as his quantum clone, his severed self was anguished somewhere else. How much time did I buy? This has been Durable Goods, written by Robert Tyler, and first appearing in New American Legends. Manowaker Studios' Flash Fiction Podcast is supported by patrons on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash manowaker to find out more. The Flash Fiction Podcast theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The podcast is produced, edited, and narrated by me, C.B. Derogi. Thanks for listening.